Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Pastor John Mark Hayton joins us this morning to continue through our series, Stepping Into Greatness. We'll be in Deuteronomy chapter 4 this morning as we learn about Moses preparing the children to go into the Promised Land. Now, let's hear from Pastor John Mark. All right, boys, good to see you, man. Always good to hear you talking, uh, hanging out. New guys uh, here, glad to have you, man. Glad to have you, glad to have you. Uh, always bring somebody with you. And it's always good for God, uh, uh, for guys to get together in God's house, study God's word. Uh, man, just grow uh, in our journey as God places his call on our life day by day. And so it is good to see you here and it is good to be with you. Uh, if you have your Bibles or your uh, smart device, turn to Deuteronomy chapter four. We've been walking through uh, the book of Deuteronomy the last couple of weeks as we're uh, really with, if you're new here, uh, this is Moses uh, as he is preparing the children to go into the promised land. Now, we're going to see and we're going to read uh, that Moses, because of some mistakes he made in his life, uh, he doesn't get allowed to go into the promised land. Joshua, his protege, is going to take over, actually lead the children of Israel into the promised land. However, I love what Moses does in the book of Deuteronomy, and even here, is um, he doesn't pout, he doesn't cry, he doesn't quit, he doesn't say, well, if I'm not going to get to go in the promised land, uh, I'm just out. Instead, what Moses does said, you know what, man, I, I probably deserve worse than just being left out of the promised land. How many of us feel that way from time to time when you look at it? Hey, I don't de just de deserve not to be in heaven. I probably don't deserve to be close to heaven, right? But at least God is allowing him to look at it, see it, it gets up on a mountain. Uh, Moses looks into the promised land. God says, you're not going. Your protege who you mentored and discipled is going. But God says, Moses, there's still work for you to do. And so, guys, I want to challenge you with this when we think about these words today, that Moses didn't quit. Maybe you feel like you're on the backside of your mountain. Maybe you're on the downside of the mountain. Maybe you're just know from this point on, you're just going to see the promised land. You're not going to make it in the promised land. Man, let Moses be your example. That whether you can make it into the promised land or not, here's what you know. There is some wisdom, some experience uh, in this room that you desperately need to share to the next generation. You desperately need to make happen for the next generation. And so that's what I love what Joshua is doing. He is talking to people who are actually going to get into the promised land, make it into the promised land, and he still has wisdom to give them. That's what we're going to see in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And as we think about this, this is Moses preparing the, the men of Israel, the people of Israel for the promised land. And I think that there are times in our lives that we have two common misconceptions. And Moses wants to carve through these, and we're going to see this all the way through the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, common misconception number one is if I walk with God and I walk with the Lord, uh, there won't be battles in my life. I can just, I can just uh, smooth into my life. I can love God. I can go to Bible study. I can go to men's Bible study and go to worship on Sunday morning. Uh, I can do my devotions. And I won't struggle with battles. Or I might have a battle from time to time. Can I tell you, that's just not true. Man, it is one battle after another battle after another battle. Man, you would think there aren't any battles. They get out of slavery in Egypt. Guess what? There's a battle. It's at the Red Sea. Man, I'm going to have faith to go in, or I'm going to shrink back, or is the Egyptian army going to kill me? They get right across that. There's a battle. They run out of water. 
They move beyond that, they have another battle. It's the Midianites or it's the Moabites, it's whoever it is. And so I think there's a common misconception from men that, hey, listen, when I love the Lord, I come to faith, I go to church, that I'm not going to go through a battle. Let me tell you what, that's wrong, guys. For many of us, there's a battle today. How many of you know that? There may well be. Some of you know there's a battle waiting for you when the sun comes up. Some of you don't know it yet, but there's a battle coming. So that's a common misconception. I think there's a second common misconception that we think if I get to my spiritual promised land, when I grow spiritually to a certain level or a certain place, uh, then there won't be battles. See, I'm only having battles that we have this misconception. I'm only having battles because I'm immature in my faith. Can I tell you that's a misconception? Number two, because what is Moses doing with the children of Israel? He is preparing them for the promised land, but he's also preparing them for the battles in the promised land. So guys, here's what I want you to know. As men, we are going to look at some keys to victory in our lives today. And the reason why we need this is because we are always going to be in a battle. Regardless of how spiritual you get, how, 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 how far along in your faith you get, you're going to have a battle. There, it doesn't matter. Whether you're outside the promised land, we saw they struggled with battles for 40 years, right? We're going to talk about one today, one of the mistakes they made. Man, when they got into the promised land, guess what they had to do? They had to go fight Jericho, and then they had to fight Ai, and then they had to fight these people and these people. So guys, when we talk about preparing for the battle, the battle is not just for the spiritually mature. The battle is not just for the dude that's not in his promised land. The battle is for every dude in this room, every dude online, every day, every week, every month, every year in your life. The enemies might change earthly-wise, but Satan is always out after you. He is always looking to catch you off guard. He is always looking to destroy you, your character, your family, your life, your kids, and as men, We've got to stand up and always be ready for fight, to fight. So don't carry any of those common misconceptions that, you know, uh, if I'm a Christian, there won't be many battles in my life, or there will come a day when I enter the promised land and there won't be battles in my life. Nope. We're going to have battles all the time. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 4, um, not sure how many of these we'll get through, Moses just begins to talk to the dudes, all right? He says, guys, come here. There's the promised land right over there. Let me just kind of tell you some things. When you get into your promised land, when I get in there, he says, when you get in there, I'm not going in there with you. But here are a couple of things that you need to hold on to and make sure you do. And in doing so, you will win more battles than you lose. And we even see when they get into the promised land, they lose their second battle. How many of you remember? They go whoop Jericho and they get lit up by Ai. Even in your best moment, in your promised land, if you aren't careful and don't fight well, you can get lit up. And the good news is God's grace allowed them to come back, consecrate themselves, confess their sin, and they went and defeated Ai. And so even if you feel like I'm in the midst of a defeat right now, I want you to know, just pause, go back to God, man, confess your sin, Gather the right men around you and go face the enemy again. 
and let God give you the victory. So let's just start walking through Deuteronomy chapter 4, and I'm just going to read a couple of things, give you a couple of thoughts as you face your battle. Um, thought number one, if you're going to win more battles than you lose, is you need to listen and hear God's Word and do it all the time. So listen to it and then put it into practice to do it. You say, where do you see that? Pick it up in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 1. This is Moses talking. He says, now Israel, hear, there it is, listen to it. Hear the decrees and the laws I'm about to give you and teach you. Follow them or do it. Notice what he says right there in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 1. He says, hear the decrees and the laws of the Lord I'm about to teach you and follow them. It's a both and, it's not an either, either or. A lot of people listen, but they don't do Man, and a lot of people will, will hear God's Word and listen to God's Word and filter God's Word, but at the end of the day, the, the, the rubber doesn't meet the road. And so if you and I are going to win more battles than we lose for God, then we're going to have to listen to God's Word and we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to follow it. So here's what he says, verse 1. Now Israel, hear the decrees and the laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may, and, uh, so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord has given you. The God of your ancestors is now given you. So why do I want to listen and do it? So I can go into the promised land and I can live and things will go well with me. Jump down to verse 5. He, he reemphasizes it. He says, see I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me. And so that you may, there's the word again, follow them in the land you are entering and take possession of. Now look at verse 6. Observe them carefully. Notice what he's saying. He said, listen, follow. Now he's using the word observe. It's the whole idea of not, don't just listen, do it. Anybody raise kids in here? You ever looked at your kids, your teenage kids, said, you hear what I said? All right, do that. That was the way Gene and I used to end arguments a lot. You know, you get in those, we had four teenagers in the house one time, and you, know, you always got somebody wanting to back talk to you a little bit, and you just kind of get to the place where you, we're just kind of done with words. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, and, and every once in a while, so we got in this habit of if someone wanted to say, well, you know, well, what about Jace or what about Jordan or what about Jensen? There was always a what about. And we would look at our kids and we'd go, did you hear what I said? Do that and come back and talk to me. All right. Don't compare yourself to how clean your room is to Jensen or whatever. The question is, we asked you, did, did you hear me ask you to clean your room? All right. Do that and come back and talk to me. And that's what Moses is saying. Listen, did you hear what God said? Do that and then come back and talk to him. You know, there are times I think that God speaks to us very clearly in words. We're men, we're men, which just means we're grown up teenagers, right? That's exactly who we are. That's who we are. And I think there are times that we hear God's word and we start, well, well what about this? What about this? And I think God from time to time wants to look at you and look at me and say, did you hear what I said? Go do that. And once you've done that, come back and talk to me. And so I love this as he says, he says, observe, verse 6, observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations, to others. So here, if you, how many of you would like for others to see you as wise? 
All right, I don't know, you're not raising your hand. That'd be a good thing, dude. All right, let's just, maybe, maybe you feel like you're so far away from wise. Let's just, let me just ask it this way, all right? How many of you would like for others to see you as a little wiser than you are? All right, that's all. Okay, I, I've, I've tapped in. That's why we're connected here because, uh, uh, yeah, here's what I know. I, I know people don't look at me and go, that's a smart dude. They just don't look, me, look at me that way. They, they, here's what they look at me. If, if they know me well, you know, they're going to say, that dude shows up. It just shows up. So I want to encourage you guys, wherever you feel like you are in your spiritual journey, show up. You know, show up. Even if you feel like you get beat, hey, if Satan wants to beat me every day, that's great. But he knows I'm going to show up for the fight. All right? And so he says, listen, if you observe them, he goes then, and carefully walk in them, he goes, then you will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. What is he talking about? He says, listen, when we go into the promised land, they're going to be Amorites and Hittites and Jebusites and all of those otherites. And he goes, listen, you're going to have to show up, and here's how you're going to show them that you're wise and understanding. You're going to show up, but you're going to show up having listened to God's word, obeyed them carefully and observed them. And now everybody's going to say, you know what? These are people that are wise in their walk and wise in their faith. So part of it is obedience is what allows others to see our wisdom. The way you walk is how others know if you are serious about your faith. And so if we are going to win the victories that are ahead in our promised land or even outside of our promised land, we've got to listen and hear God's word. Continue to read. He goes, they will know that you're wise and understanding to the nations, others, other men, who will hear about all the decrees and say, surely this is a great dude or collection of dudes. This is a great nation. What made them a great nation? is that they were cohesive, they were together, and they all followed the same script. How do you know if you're watching a good football team? When they all know the play, and when they all do their job, right? You look out there and you go, that's kind of masterful. What just happened on the court or what just happened on the field? Man, you're like, they're all listening to the coach, to the quarterback. Quarterback comes to the line, sees the defensive alignment, says, we don't need to run against this, we need to throw against this, calls an audible. They all go, yep, we're gonna do that. And you go beat them. That's, and that's how we demonstrate wisdom as men of God, is that we say, man, we're gonna do everything God calls us to do. And if God calls an audible, we're gonna do that. And the other nations, the other people, other folks around us will say, man, surely that is a wise and a great nation uh, with great understanding. I love what James, the brother of Jesus, said in the New Testament. He says, listen, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. There it is. Guys, if we want to win the victories in our lives, it starts right there. Then we hear God's word. And we carefully do what God has called us to do. And when we fail, we back up, we consecrate ourselves, we confess our sin, and we get back on the path to do it again. So that's thought number one. Here, you want to know number two? Listen to this. Don't ever add to or take away from God's Word. You'll say that again. Don't ever add to or take away from God's word. You say, where do you see that? Pick it up. Look at verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. 
Here's what Moses said. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. I, I love that you say, where did you come up with that point? Do not add to or take away. I just use Moses' words. How many of you know? I'm just not that smart, right? What did Moses say? He says, when you go into the promised land, you're, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to add some things to God's word that aren't in God's word. And what was he warning them against already? The pagan practices and pagan worship and the pagan idolatry of those that they're going to be surrounded with when they go into the promised land, right? He goes, or you're going to be tempted to take some things away about purity and different things. And he says, listen, be careful when you go into the promised land, if you want to walk in victory, man, don't add to God's word stuff that you want to add to God's word and don't take away stuff that you want you don't like in God's word. And let me tell you what, how many of you know that's a temptation today? Wasn't just in Moses's day. How many of you know what happened in Jesus's day? You go all the way to the end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22. That's that's the last chapter of the Bible. You're right at the end of the Bible. Get us, guess what is one of the last things that is told to us when we get to the end of the Bible? So now you have Genesis to Revelation. The canon is closed. Notice what happens in Revelation 22, verse 18. He says, I warn everyone who hears the words of prophecy of this scroll, the Bible, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the scroll. So here's what we got. All the way at the beginning of the Bible, all the way uh, in the Torah, Moses is telling the children of Israel, listen, don't add to it. Don't take away. How many of you know that God's word is sufficient without your word? Just want you to hear that again. God's word is sufficient without your word. Our job is to listen to it, hear it, apply it, and obey it. And so here we are at the beginning of the Bible. Moses is warning the children of Israel, listen, when you go into the promised land, don't add to, don't take away. When John, the revelator in the Revelation 22, last chapter of the Bible, listen, as you look back, Genesis to Revelation, don't add to it. Don't take away from it. We don't want to do that. But if you think about uh, Jesus' day, who added to the Bible in Jesus' day? Somebody just throw out a word. Pharisees. By the time Jesus showed up, there were so many laws, no one knew how to deal with them. Why? They just had their own opinion. They liked this opinion, so we're going to add this. And, hey, don't do this on the Sabbath, and don't do this on the Sabbath. And if an ox falls in the ditch on the Sabbath, you've got to get, let it go, unless it's my ox usually, Right? And they had added all of these things. Go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, I think it is. Yeah, it is. This is Jesus lighting up the Pharisees. He says, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition so that you have, hand, that you have handed down and you, and you do many things like that. How do people typically add to the word of God? Jesus points it out. Tradition. Tradition. It's been amazing to me over the years that uh, as a pastor, 28 and a half years, almost 29 years here, uh, 
there are people that come into our church or they've grown up in our church, they've been in our church, and we'll stop doing something, right? We'll stop doing something that we've been doing for a long time. You say, Pastor, why would you stop doing something you've been doing for a long time in the church? Let, just write this down. It doesn't work anymore. That's why we do it. All right. That doesn't mean some people don't love it. But what I've found over the years, just like Jesus found, is that there are some people raise their tradition, their opinion, what they like up to the level of Scripture. And if we don't do this, it's not right. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Man, let me tell you what, Baptists are notorious for it. How many of you grew, in a, grew up in a Baptist church? Man, that's how we drive the plane into the ground. We've got these traditions that we've done forever. All right. And we've got to be careful that we don't let our traditions rise to the level of God's word. And that's exactly what had happened with the Pharisees is by the time someone had finished talking to the Pharisee, they didn't know the difference between the Pharisees tradition and God's word. And man, and men, if we are going to win our battles that we face and we're going to influence people, we have to settle back. We have to ease back on the traditions and our own personal opinion and let God's word stand for itself. Does that make sense? Man, we truly want to be a people of God's word. We don't want to add a bunch of junk and add a bunch of opinions and add a bunch of thoughts. And it's always been uh, interesting over the years. Uh, uh, what were the debate years ago? People don't go to the movie theater like they used to. Used, years ago, I used to get this question all the time. Um, is it okay for a Christian to go to a, a, a movie that is PG? Right? What if, it, what if they go to PG-13? And then there would be these great debates among godly people in our church who would say, well, I'll never go to anything that's worse than a G. Right? Anybody remember those arguments that you'd have all the time? Is it okay to listen to non-Christian music? How many of you listen to non-Christian music? All right. Good, good. Then y'all, then y'all can listen. Then y'all can listen to what I'm listening to when I'm working out. So, because uh, there's not a whole lot of Jesus in it, I'll just tell you that. But uh, y'all were supposed to actually laugh at that. Now I really feel terrible for saying that. Uh, I'm '80s rock. That's what. When I'm working out, uh, don't 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 judge me back there. I know younger generation. But you know, here's the reality. Those, those are traditions. Those are ideas. I don't want to be immoral. I don't want to be off base, right? But I want to make sure that my tradition, my opinion about what things that need to be done, don't rise to the level of God's word. I don't want to add to it. That's not what I want. Look at what Paul says, man. Because here's what happens when I start preaching my tradition like the Pharisees, what is the natural recourse? I get arrogant and puffed up. I get proud of my tradition. That's what happens to me. Let me tell you, I've noticed people say, well, I'll never go to anything but a G movie. I'm saying, doesn't that stand for gross, right? People pat themselves on the back. Well, I only read out of the King James. How many of you read out of the King James? Anybody in here? It's okay if you do. Yeah, yeah, boy, I, when I first came to Fairview years ago, there were people that would go off to King James retreats. And they would come back and they would sit in my office for hours and talk about how godly it was to read out of King James. I'm like, I'm just not that smart, right? I can barely understand my language and I certainly can't read that language. 
And they were, they were literally, they would walk in with their family King James Bible and sit on the front row and act like they were, how many of you have a family Bible at least, right? That never gets open. They would carry that thing in there. It looked impressive. You know, it looked impressive. So here's the deal. I'm not picking on people. If you read King James, good. If you have a family Bible, I'm for that, right? The point is, what does he say? Don't add to because when we start adding to our own personal traditions, and there are times, guys, listen to this. There are times gives, God gives me some personal convictions that are protect me because I have certain battles. Does that make sense? I have certain battles that God will give me some personal convictions to help me win the battle based on who he created me to be. But my personal conviction about whether I do something or don't do something should not ever become equal with God's word. If you want to ask me about them, I'll tell you, here's how I handle this, or here's what I do, or here's the guardrails in place for me. But the Pharisees, what they did is they created this whole list of traditions and opinions. And then they said, if you don't live by all these 613 rules, you are not holy. And they got arrogant and puffed up. And notice what he says. Jesus said, by the time you add all that junk to God's word, you've nullified God's word. People can't find God's word because of your tradition. People can't find God's word because of your opinion. So we want to make sure that we are a people of the book, but let's make sure the book we're talking about is God's word, not the book of my tradition. Does that make sense? Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Do you hear it? So Paul is circling back. Moses told the children of Israel before they went to the promised land. John told uh, the people of God, all of us don't add to it. When we talk about Genesis to Revelation, Jesus chastised the Pharisees for it. And Paul is laying out an example for the Corinthian believers. He says, listen, he says, what's the point? Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up. Paul calls it out. People who live by tradition and opinion have a tendency to be puffed up. They have a tendency to at least throw off an air that I am, I am more spiritual than someone. I am better than someone. I, uh, I have better opinions than someone. Does that make sense? The typical outcome of someone who wants to add tradition or add opinion is they become arrogant. And they, here's the point of being arrogant. They look down on others. So you let someone struggle. They've got no grace. Think about the Pharisees. Part of the problem with the Pharisees is they had no grace, right? They had their whole system of holiness. They were the only ones that knew all the nuances of their system of holiness. Therefore, that allowed them to look down on others. So I love what Jesus says. Jesus says, you're puffed up. You nullify God's word. What does Paul say? You have all these traditions. You have all these opinions. You're puffed up. You go beyond what it is. He says, then you will not be puffed up being a follower of one of us uh, over against the other. He says, listen, that's why we want to be careful that we don't start saying, I follow this person, I follow this person, I follow this person, I follow this person. What's our number one call? Follow Jesus. I'm going to encourage you that right now, guys. Don't follow me. From time to time, it can be funny. Right? Train wreck of my life. I'll, I'll tell you about it. I'll show you a picture of it. 
But I'm telling you, follow Jesus, don't follow me. For whatever you do, never follow Hill House. How many of you know that? <laughs> right? Unless you have the video camera on and then come show it on the screen. Man, we want to follow Christ. See, what happens is these Pharisees started following this guy and this guy and this guy, and they have their own nuances, and no one can measure up. And so what happens, he says, listen, that's why Paul says, don't ever follow me or this person or Apollos or Silas. Don't do that. Follow Jesus. Amen. Keep the simplicity of the word. Man, we think about the Reformation. Look back on the Reformation. Why did the Reformation happen? Because you had the Bible, then you had all these traditions that came about, right? That people started saying, man, we don't know the difference between what's in the Bible and what's a tradition by the church. The whole Reformation was about carving away traditions, right? So we go back to God's Word. That's the whole point is we're reading God's Word. We're part of the God's Word, and that's where we want to be. So we don't want to add to with our own opinions. And guys, y'all have some great opinions. Man, and if God has given you some certain convictions, God bless you. But remember, your conviction and your conscience from God's Spirit is not God's Word for somebody else. Does that make sense? It might be incredibly helpful. I'll tell you, I've found over the years that there are times that I'll meet, I'll meet with a man over a cup of coffee. He'll talk about a struggle that he's happened, ha having. And I look back over my life, look back over my journey. I said, you know, there are a number of years ago I was having that same struggle. Here's what helped me. Does that make sense? See, that becomes helpful, but it's not God's Word. Because what helped me may not help him. He may need someone else's way to deal with that issue or struggle. Or he might have a problem that I don't have a clue with. Man, that's never been a struggle of mine, right? Then I want to help them find somebody else that has navigated that same journey, that same struggle. So listen, we don't want to add to, but here, remember, there was a second aspect. What was the second aspect? We don't add to, nor do we, what was it? Subtract from it. But we got a lot of people we got a lot of preachers, got a lot of churches today. They're in subtraction mode. How many of you know? They love, to, and what part do they subtract? They love Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus. What do they subtract? The hard sayings of Jesus. The calling out of sin in God's Word. The stuff that won't make them politically accepted. So we got a lot of people right now subtract. And so let me tell you what, guys, don't follow a pastor or a church that's going to do a lot of adding to God's Word, but you better not be following a church or a pastor that's doing a lot of subtracting either. Does that make sense? Man, listen, if you get canceled, you get canceled. But if I'm going to get canceled, I'm going to be canceled for preaching God's Word. The good and the bad. And don't you ever think that I preach a message on Sunday morning that hadn't lit me up and worn me out all through the week as I prepared it, all right? And, and sometimes not only is it God's Word that lights me up, it's Gina. She'll say, hey, what are you, what are you preaching on Sunday? I don't even want to tell her. Because <laughs> she'll sit there and go, oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Be sure to listen to that one over and over and over again, right? I'm just telling you, God's Word wears me out sometimes. I, there are times I'm like, man, I'm unworthy to preach this one. Man, it's a humility before God's Word. 
But we've got a lot of people that want to add to God's word, but we also have a lot of people that want to try, subtract from it. You, you heard this on the news not long ago. Uh, how many of you remember that Sparkle Creed that came out not long ago? You know what I'm talking about? It was the Lutheran pastor that, that developed a creed and, and, and just kind of changed everything about it. Why? Because they wanted to accept it. Here, I'll just read it to you. This is, this is actually, you can, go, you can go find it on YouTube. I thought we played it in here one day. Maybe we didn't. Uh, but it was all over the news. It was a sparkle creed. It's, it's a creed that's going to accept everybody. And so listen to this creed. The, the whole church said it. This was church, Lutheran Church in Missouri. Here's what it said. It says, I believe in a non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. Full stop. How many of you can already come up with some things that don't sound right? How many of you also know that this will play well in much of the national media? Right? So here it is. But this, that's not the worst part. He says, I, this is the whole congregation you can go look it up. Just go YouTube, Sparkle Creed, and then delete it. It says, I believe in the non-binary God where pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit. This was in a church. All right, this is a church. Uh, I'm a big fan of rainbows, by the way, but... Uh, <laughs> for other reasons. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts, refracts into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints. I actually like that. As, a new, as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches of the patches on the AIDS quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes are gazed in the stars of wonder. I believe in the call to each of us to love is love is love is love. I'm not adding that, that's actually in it. So beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. That was a sparkle creek, all right? Here's the point. All right, are we supposed to, how many of you know we're supposed to love, love, love? Yeah, absolutely. But what's loving is not taken away from God's Word. It's not adding to God's Word. Let me just tell you, whatever, whatever she was, all right, in, 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 in leaning of what, what she did, listen to this, is not worse than what the Pharisees did. Moses said, subtracting from it, isn't any better or worse than adding to it. John in Revelation said subtracting from God's word is not any worse than adding to it. Jesus didn't say subtracting from it is not any worse than adding to it. So the point is we want to be people of the book. All right, that was impressive, whatever that. I think that was God talking right there. I think you better listen up. But here it is. Number one, listen to God's word obey it. You'll win more victories than you lose. Number two, don't add to God's Word and do not subtract from it. And whatever you do, don't gather yourselves teachers who do either of those. When you start listening to a teacher as good as they are and enamoring as they are and as engaging as they are, if you are constantly finding them adding to God's Word by saying, you know, I got this Word from the Lord. 
Let me tell you what. How do you determine whether a word you're getting is from the Lord or not? Can you support it in Scripture? All right? When someone says, I got this word from the Lord, and you go, ah, I'm pretty sure that Deuteronomy says something different. You need, to, you, need to, you need to say, step back and say, hang on. So you don't want to follow a teacher that's constantly adding to the Word of God, nor do we want to follow a teacher that is constantly subtracting from the Word of God. We want to follow people who are faithful to God's Word. Will they get canceled, mocked, made fun of, or harassed? Go with the guy that is standing on God's Word, who's willing to take the heat, fight the fight, live in the battle, why? Because God's Word is what nourishes us, protects us, and helps us along the way. Don't ever, ever question that. Now, let's just continue. By the way, y'all have made it all the way to verse 3 in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Are you proud of it? So give yourselves a hand. That's how slow you are. Wait, is it past 7 already? Y'all are the sorriest bunch of listeners I've ever heard in my life. All right, how about this? Y'all want me to finish this next week? All right, so here's what we're going to I'm going to close in prayer. Um, I've got more, and boy, the next one's good. All right, but you're just going to have to wait. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, let us be the kind of men that in our everyday life, that we listen to your word, and we do that. God, let us not have this common misconception that if we love you or if we're Christian or if we go to men's Bible study, we're not going to have a battle or battles will be infrequent. We're going to battle every day. God, don't ever let us think or anyone in this room think that there'll come a day when I'm so spiritual that I'm in my promised land that there won't be a battle. There'll be a battle every day. And the way to win the battle is I'm going to listen to God's word and I'm going to obey it. Beyond that, God, when I listen and obey, I'm never going to subtract from it. And I'm never going to add to it. I'm going to stand on your word as written. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Hey, new guys, you three new guys, good to have you today. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.